I guess when you're reading the Bible, you're kind of like a person like over the top of the room, you know, where you're looking down on these conversations and you already have the advantage of knowing what ha what's happened over the last 2000 years. You were reading the scripture and what's happening in their moment. And so you really have an, a, an advantage as you're as you're studying the scripture. You're like an insider that, that when you have the Bible and but you still when you study the nuances of what Jesus is saying, I'm always in awe still of how God's plan is unfolding as Jesus is giving all these hints and direct statements. And then yet other times he doesn't mean them to be right in front of them or it doesn't mean exactly what it might be interpreted to mean. God with skin shows up on planet Earth, camouflaged as a humanoid, as a carpenter's son. And I mean, to be a carpenter is just an amazing thing. I mean, who wouldn't want to be that in their life? And then to be the son of a carpenter. OK, but Jesus goes rogue because, you know, according to religious traditions, he he's been a carpenter's son and grew up probably as a craftsman, as a tradesman, a, a, a blue collar blue collar guy and I was I was staining yesterday something with black stain and I have black stain I can't quite get out of my fingernails even though I did shower this month okay no I I, I took a shower yesterday I was scrubbing I was like oh black stain under my fingernails so um, how many would let me just stop obsessing about it and go okay I'm a blue collar pastor okay uh, but Jesus goes rogue and out of nowhere starts preaching and teaching seemingly out of nowhere because he has the authority of heaven. He his his work and his words are followed by miracles, signs and wonders from heaven above. And and the secret is out. And by the time we get to Luke 22, the end of the chapter, Jesus is directly asked by the those in charge, the authorities. Are you the son of God? I mean, you know, what I mean, there's been a lot of like, uh, you know, um, conversation where he's Jesus being but Jesus just point blank says by the end of chapter 22 I am I am what you say I am I mean there's no the secrets are over like Jesus being as direct as possible and it didn't lead to faith in that moment it led to oh we've heard all we have to hear to them it was final judgment to, to them it was blasphemous to, to them it was condemning accusations that now they had his own testimony about who he is that they could use against him to crucify him. So we pick up Luke chapter 22, verse 1. The festival of the unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers, of the temple guard, and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Judas, being used as a pawn here of, of Satan, the evidence, uh, uh, the, it's evidence that, to me, it's always evidence that there are pretenders around us, okay? Look around you right now, okay? And among the people of God, there are often pretenders who have infiltrated our ranks, who want to see, sow seeds of discord, uh, bitterness, you know, get, it, get us pointing at one another. But there, Satan aligns religious 
power-hungry, pride-filled leaders with the cruel Roman pagans to attempt to what they think is to silence Jesus, destroy Jesus, but uh, they had no power. They had no power except that which God had given them uh, to show what? How much God loves them. They think it's, you know, God having to defend himself, but, the, you know, everything's unfolding as God had planned to show his great love for us and and how pleasing God uh, a, a, a life well lived uh, before the Lord is. The Passover has arrived anyway, many days of celebration. And this doesn't mean much to us when we think about a Passover celebration, but to the people of God for generations and for thousands, for like 1300 years, uh, they had celebrated the Passover since their deliverance uh, out of Egypt. It was a kind of a, a month-long celebration. It was kind of a 14-day celebration. It was kind of a seven-day crescendo of events and activities, and maybe an eight-day celebration, depending, with celebrations before, during, after, that, and preparations before, uh, you know, like to get all the wheat out of your house, you know, like you had to cleanse your house for, uh, I think it was seven days before the the. The Holy Week begins. You had to get rid of all of that so that there was only unleavened bread, no yeast in the house, right? Symbolic of their fleeing from Egypt. Every family planned these celebrations. Every family made it a priority. And God said, we're going to read here in a moment, where God said, this is the beginning of your calendar year now. From now on, your year as Jews starts here. This is the very beginning, and this is how you're going to celebrate it. We're going to read it. But every family made it a priority to worship together, to eat together. The, the Seder meal or the Passover meal, Seder meaning order, that there was an order that they, that they went. The classical meal was filled with uh, symbolism commemorating the Jews' freedom from Egypt. Uh, how many have ever seen some of those uh, Last Supper pictures or something where where the disciples are more laying down by a table. Have you ever seen that without chairs? Because God tells them, we're going to read it, where God says, don't, don't sit like you normally do, recline. You're free now. You're like, uh, you're like kings, you know. Put your feet up a little bit. Relax a little bit. You know how when you first get your first desk in your own office in the corner room, you know, you put your feet up on it because you are the man. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? You gotta be careful, depending on what you're wearing. But this meal, they, it, it had so much symbolism, and each item on on the menu helped tell the story of God's people. That this was the Passover week that we come to here in Luke chapter. That's what the first word is. It's the Passover week, and they're get, they're gonna make preparations for this Passover meal. And Jesus is the one who's making the arrangements or making sure this Passover meal happens in Exodus 12 God tells Moses to ready the people that the final plagues had just hit and the death plague is going to hit in Exodus chapter 11 and get ready to head towards the promised land Exodus 12 I'm just going to speed read it for you and not put up all the words up there but so just listen the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt this month is to be the first month the first month of the year tell the whole community of Israel, that the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household's too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. 
um, if you've ever had to, you know, order pizza and figure out how many slices, that's what, you know, kind of they had to figure out so there wasn't any wasted lamb. You're, you're to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect, and you, you may take them from sheep or from goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they're to eat the, the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, in, 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 in internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. Eat fast. It's the Lord's Passover. I'm a fast eater, Joan, aren't I? And Joan's always like, this is not a competition, okay? But I usually respond by saying, but if it was, I'm winning, Okay? On the same night, I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign on you and your households. And when, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This day, you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you'll celebrate as festivals to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast and on the first day, remove all the yeast from your house. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. And on the first day, hold a sacred assembly. And another on the seventh day, do no work on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival on love and bread because it's. Uh, it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. In the first month, you're to eat bread made without yeast from evening until the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And anyone, whether foreign or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it will be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast, whether you live you must, wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select animals for your family to slaughter for the Passover lamb. Slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some on top of both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on top and the sides of your door frame. He'll pass by your doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for your descendants. When you enter the land, the Lord will give you as promised. Observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. 
Then the people bowed down and worshiped, and the Israelites did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and to the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Aaron and Moses and said, Up, leave my people, you and you Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks, your herds, as you said, and go. And also, uh, bless me. Isn't that interesting, by the way? Oh, and throw a blessing back my way, and then I'll let you go. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and kneading trowels wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold for clo- for, and, and for clothing. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sakath. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A million-person march into the wilderness. Many other people went with them and uh, large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough of the Israelites had made from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out from Egypt and did not have time to prepare the food for themselves. The length of the time the Israelites' people lived in Egypt was 430 years. The end of 430 years to the very day, it says in the scripture, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt on that night. All the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. For 430 years of slavery and oppression and mistreatment, they kept their hope alive for deliverance. The Jews understood long-suffering, right? And they still seem to be objects of wrath around the globe, uh, I think in every generation since this day. Long-suffering to us Americans means like, man, this has been a terrible day, right? Long hours, or, or, or you wouldn't believe what happened to me this week. Or you heard somebody say how uncomfortable they've been this past week, or a couple, right? Like if something goes on for a couple weeks to us Americans, it's like, wow, how are we going to be able to endure this? But God's people understood suffering, which is why the celebration of the Passover was kept with such um, diligence. And now they're free, alive, and thriving. And Jesus gathers them together for this memorial meal. This was the first month of the Jewish calendar. And they had they capped this celebration off with this Passover meal. And Jesus is making all the arrangements with his disciples. Must have been kind of surreal. Right. For Jesus, the Lamb of God coming to the earth to rescue humanity from their sin is preparing a Passover meal, telling the story of deliverance and looking his disciples in the eyes as they butcher and cook a lamb, knowing he's about to be slaughtered himself. 
as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the earth. That must have been some kind of meal, right? Will you stand with me? Lord, your people have always been people of a story of a loving God, of a creator who chose to breathe a soul into us. And since Adam and Eve's uh, sin, God, you have had a plan to, to buy us back, to bring us back to you undeserving, unrepentant. Thank you, God, that you're relentless. Thank you, God, for your, your reckless love towards us. Thank you, God, for your pursuit of us. Thank you, God, for your great plan. Uh, help us, God, to be people of a story as well, the story of the Savior, the Messiah who did come. They're still waiting for Elijah, but Jesus, you said, Elijah's come. The Jews are still waiting for Elijah to come, thinking the Messiah's they, they missed it, not to pick on them, Lord, because we know in the last great days you're going to open many people from the Jewish faith, your chosen ones, as, as your final witnesses. But God, help us in this day when we are called to be your witnesses, to be people of the story as well, that the Messiah, he did arrive. He's been taken up. He's coming again. We thank you, Lord, that you've opened our eyes up to the truth. Continue to guide our steps in, in radical transformation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have really just one big thing left on the agenda of this morning, and we're going to share communion in a few minutes. Um, and for us, it ought to be, I guess, the image, imagery I'm trying to connect with you this morning will be, this, this is our Passover meal. This, that here in the middle, we're going to see in Luke's words here right in the middle, Jesus of this Passover meal where, where the Jews had this way of talking about their deliverance from Egypt. Jesus starts talking about eating my body and drinking my blood. We're going to see that. Because it, it's changed. So we're going to share communion together. But I wanted to, a couple things I wanted to let you know about. Um, can you just pass some of these around this section, would you? So take about half that stack, would you? And just pass that this way and pass that that way. That's just some information about Bible camps. So if you want, if your parents and wanted some information about kids camp, I think we're waiting to hear from Rochelle if she can get off work to lead kids to kids camp uh, she thought there was a really good chance and uh, if you were interested in kids camp f as far as our student ministries our junior high and senior high camps um, we are for sure taking students to merge camp that's junior high and senior high together so we take one entourage out to the black hills because we've had a few things uh, colby Donnell said he was interested in going as our guy counselor and so i know they're a few guys lining up already. Uh, when one parent heard that Juanetta was going and one of Juanetta's daughter, Rachel, said, well, then both my kids can go because Juanetta, we trust her. <laughs> so, and actually, Joan and I said the same thing. 
oh, well, Brianna can go. Wynetta's going. Not that we don't trust other people. It's just nice, you know, so you want to make sure. Last year, Carol went, and Carol uh, came back so exhausted. She needs a six-year sabbatical before she can go to camp again. And uh, Joan and I know that feeling. We've gone to Bible camp, and people go like, that must have been fun at Bible camp. Uh, yes, it w there's a lot of fun. And yes, it's really amazing to do, but it is a sacrifice. I mean, the counselors work uh, like 100 hours in five days of keeping these students uh, where they're supposed to be. Uh, and uh, man, it's a big sacrifice. So I appreciate uh, those willing to go to camp. And so get registered for youth camp. We're going to the merge camp, which is June 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, something like that. June 24th through 28th. And so that'll be middle school and high school together. And then there's uh, kids camp. I like what they're doing with kids camp. They're making it so you don't have to miss a whole week now. Kids camp is four days, like Sunday through Wednesday, and then Thursday through Saturday or something like that. You'll see the dates. There's posters as you go out the door there, and you can look online there. Kids camp is broken down to where you wouldn't have to miss a whole week of Monday through Friday for counselors to go. It's more like a three-day, uh, two, three-day camps for kids. So that'll... That's probably enough for those counselors watching over the elementary kids. <laughs> Three days. Okay. So, uh, and then next week, by the way, we have Teen Challenge coming. There'll be 35, 45 guys coming here next week uh, hearing their testimonies. And um, why don't we run this video, and then I want to get your help a little bit preparing for their meal next week if we work together because they want us to feed the guys, which is no problem. So, Check out this little video, one testimony. So Teen Challenge will be with us next week, and we are going to order Jimmy John's platters. They like to feed the guys right after service, so we're going to feed them in the lobby. So we need a few people, families, couples, or whatever, that would help serve that meal, and you can eat with them, by the way. Uh, and then we need to bring, uh, like, for example, we need somebody who could uh, bring chips for 50 Joan, do you know anybody who could bring, f no, Frito-Lay guy, That's, that one's set up, all right? Uh, he had no option. I pre-asked him if I could embarrass him, and he said, yeah. Uh, but we do need, like, uh, three dozen cookies. Anybody want to bring that next week? There's M Melody right behind. Here's another three dozen cookies. Anybody? There's another. Oh, it's too late, Jim. Uh, and then we only need, um, that's all we need, uh, let's see, as far as desserts go, and we got the chips, we're getting subs from them, and then we need a few people who would stay, serve them food, and clean up afterwards. Are there a few people that would like to be a part? You get to feed your family with them, okay? The Tysons and Ortegas and Melody. Okay, that's enough. You guys are okay with that? Because don't forget, you have a leadership team meeting at my house at 5 p.m. that night, too. So don't go wimping out like, I got to, what? Just Chad. Okay. Oh, just Chad, not the whole Tyson family. Didn't but, but you'll be at my house Sunday night? Oh, just Chad but your whole family will help and serve. No, neither. Chad's doing everything for your family, Brooke? Wow, Chad. Okay, so then we do need Melody and the Ortegas. Okay, that'll be enough. But uh, And if Rochelle and Matt and Heather, uh, Eric and Laura, Doug and Don Ossifert want to join us at the Wrenches Sunday night, leadership team, uh, you're invited over to our house next Sunday night as well. Um, that's it. Uh, okay. As I continue, and we're going to uh, share the Passover together in the form of communion. Watch this little video. I think this is really informative. It's, this, is a, 
This isn't a Christian production. This is um, the actor that does this little thing about uh, explaining the Passover to us non-Jews. Uh, was in Big Bang Theory and uh, Beaches. Somebody, somebody told me Beaches. So she does a good job. This will explain a little bit about the Passover to you and help us understand. I like that video. <laughs> it just feels weird to think like 3,300 years. Passover, sponsored by Manischewitz. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um. Combine Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's into one week, and you might understand the kind of synergy surrounding this Passover week that the Jews, and then finishing this week with this Seder meal, this Passover meal. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, coming to earth to rescue humanity, is the host of this uh, Passover meal with his disciples. Uh, as they're used to telling the story of deliverance uh, I, I, and, and butchering this lamb and Jesus knowing that he is going to be slaughtered for all mankind, knowing that they don't quite get it yet, and how could they? And we have the story of God. We have the advantage. We, it's complicated for us to see all these. But listen, verse 7, Then they came to the day of unleavened bread, which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go make preparations for, for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, I like that Jedi move. The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can meet, where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he's going to show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. <coughs> they left and found things just as Jesus told them, so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this cup and divide it among you. For I tell you, you will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this had to be bizarre words in the middle of their meal of remembrance of our deliverance from Egypt. What are these words? Someone must have been saying to themselves, Why is he talking this way in the midst of our Passover meal? We're sharing the Passover, and Jesus is saying, This is my body do this in remembrance of me. And surely they had to be thinking, wait a minute, this, this meal is remembering the journey of our people, remembering our deliverance from bondage, to sacrifice and offering to the Lord, to sweep clean the yeast of our homes. And Jesus went on to say in the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Uh, Maddie and Jim, let, can we help us uh, with the communion? Or Jim, whoever you have, Dennis, whoever is, I want you all to 
take the emblems of the cup and the bread. In the middle of this meal, let me, let me grab this for me, Jim. Right, go ahead and take one of each and then hold them and I'll lead you in a prayer and we'll drink the cup, we'll eat the bread. Drink this blood, Jesus says. <laughs> like, they had to be thinking, Lord, what are you saying? These are not the questions around the table of the Passover meal. The meal is our story, our people's suffering. What is this about eating your body and drinking your blood? That Jesus established a new tradition that Jesus incorporates into his Passover. That whenever you eat and drink, we can celebrate the death until I return. They had to be thinking to themselves, like, what? This does not compute. We don't get it. The four questions of the Seder meal, that meal of order, they not only ate this food together, but they asked the questions, kind of like in a theological discussion, kind of like if you were studying the canons of Dort, as I say that right, Joan? Uh, and or if you had catechism, catechism, you might have questions that you ask. Uh, um, the four questions that Jews ask at this Passover meal as they're reading through the story is number one is all on all nights. We we need not dip even once on this night. Why do we dip twice? Because they take the the parsley leaf and they dip it in the salt water and they dip it twice. The salt water into which we dip is karpas. It represents the tears we cried while in Egypt. Similar, similarly, uh, shajarat, into the bitter herbs are dipped, reminds us of the cement we use to create the bricks in Egypt. Dipping food is considered a luxury and a sign of our freedom. As opposed to the poor, who eat dry and undipped foods. Number two, question. On all nights, we eat shametz, or matzah. And on this night, only matzah. The answer, matzah was the bread of the slaves and the poor, easy to produce, and we ate it hastily as we left Egypt. Third question. On all nights, we eat many kinds of vegetables, but on this night, marar. The marer, or the bitter herbs, remind us of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. Question four. On all nights, we eat sitting upright or reclining. On this night, we all recline. Why? We commemorate our freedom by reclining on the cushions like royalty. Jesus begins a new tradition at Passover. I don't know, watching this little video, reading the scriptures, I said to Joan last night, next year before Easter, maybe the week before on a Saturday night, we should do like a Passover meal at our house, you know. And uh, it'd be kind of cool to read the story together, to walk through, because really that's still our story. Um, it's not a Jewish story. It's the story of Jesus. It's God's story. Uh, we are the continuing, we've been, at, Paul would say in Romans chapter 8, that we've been adopted. 
We're not Jewish, but we've been adopted into God's family, engrafted, he says. Like when they graft tree branches into a tree, that new branch can take on life and can sustain itself. Uh, I'm not a horticulturist, but I, I know it can happen, that we've been engrafted in. And now the story of Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, it's our story, too, through Christ. So I want to pray a different prayer for communion as we end here. And uh, remembering Jesus' uh, body broken for us. And uh, remembering the, the freedom that he brought to us. Just like the Jewish people found freedom from their slavery, we no longer have to be slaves to sin. Amen? So let's, uh, Father, as we take this, help us to be able to merge these uh, ideas together in our heart so we can uh, be filled with praise that you have delivered us from the slavery of sin. Uh, we're not in a place, we can't even relate to the kind of bondage. We're in a country of freedom and rights and, and so, so many opportunities. We can't even begin to understand what your people have gone through and did go through. But, Lord, we are, we are very aware of our sinful nature. We are very aware of our corruption. And we thank you, Lord, that you freed us, that you brought the hope of Jesus into this material world that we, we ourselves know wh where the real treasures are in this world. We thank you, Lord, for giving your body for us. In Jesus' name, let's... Take the emblem of the body together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just whisper thanks and praise to him where you're at. And as we hold this cup, we're not going to dip it and smear it over the doorposts. But God has allowed the, the, the collateral damage that should come our way when we sin it's been passed over. You know, you reap what you sow in this life, right? And do you ever think to yourself, like, I don't reap all the things, you know? Like, I got sin in my heart. I got, I got attitudes. I, I know the things that I've done, but, but yet my life is going pretty good. I think it's part of the Passover, the blood of Jesus covering our lives that we don't pay for every sin that we commit. We, there's, there's not collateral damage. Why? Because when God looks over our life, we have the blood of Jesus covering us. Amen? And that's, that's because of his grace and his goodness. Lord, we thank you that you spilled your blood for us. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, protected the lives of our great-great-grandparents, of our Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We thank you, Lord, that you protected their people, delivered them out of Egypt, and now you've delivered us out of the uh, the the swallow of sin, the sin, the muck and mire of sinfulness and selfishness. And thank you, Lord, that each week, each day, we're not paying for our sins because the blood of Jesus has been washed over the doorposts of our house, of our hearts, so to speak, of our homes. We thank you, Lord, for your covering, for your sacrifice. All praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take this cup together and stand in thanks. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done, 
All praise, glory, and honor to you, Jesus, the hero of the faith, in Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. I know. I, I, my wife is just waving $100 bills at me in the front row. I forgot the offering. But Dennis, could you do me a favor? Put a couple offering things on that little table and kind of stand by them, keep an eye on them. But, uh, but so as you go, if you, want, if you have an offering, you can place in the, the offering baskets uh, on that little table to the right as you go out. May the Lord's presence rest upon you. Have a great day if you're with family. If you're not with family, he, happy Mother's Day. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're never alone. God bless you. Have a great day celebrating the Passover in Jesus' name. Amen.